The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Podcast. It's Oklahoma week. And that means we're going to talk about other stuff. Texas football. Yeah. You know, Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, and Zach Carlson, I got a bad feeling about this one, man. I, I have these visions of Kyler Murray just like dancing with sugar plums on his head, just running oh, through, through oh. the defense, and I mean not like running towards the end zone, just like zigzagging back and shaking his body and like woo, come get me, and nobody can touch him. I think he's going to run for many. I got bad feel about this, but it doesn't matter, guys. I've already written this one off. I've written this one off. Onward to TCU in a week. And if they win in Norman, I'm going to be the happiest dude in the world. But I've written it off. Funny story. I actually got approved for credentials for the Army game. Congratulations a, on that. In addition to the Oklahoma game. So considering the uh, the similarities, I guess, or the the, uh, the way during I, the press conference today, yeah. the that they were trying to make. I feel like uh, maybe it's in the card. I'm still I see trying it. to figure out how I did that. I was don't think you, you did it because I didn't them? get it. It's them. Okay. Well, you have to do each person individually. But I don't. I absolutely don't remember like doing anything different on anyone. That's what I'm saying. I think it was them. But congratulations I, on that. I and hope it, I get one in the mail. It will come with a time machine. So you can go back in time to watch that game. Can we go back in time for something else? <laughs> oh, what that's about. Hey, uh, the PowerCat Podcast is brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Zach won't be drinking for a while, but if he would, he'd be going to Fridge Wholesale Liquor to buy all of his products. <laughs> oh, man. Let's put it this way. We all had an off weekend, and we used it in different ways. I personally... I helped the homeless and the needy and went to a Christian children's camp. Okay. I uh, assisted some uh, handicapped children and taught them how to walk. And then I actually, by accident, turned some water into wine. That's what I did on my off week. Riley, what did you do? I uh, drove to Hayes, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I ate a lot of cheeseburgers at the Golden Q. I drank... Liquids that were not child friendly. Okay, so I bought like, something uh, called a trash can. <laughs> oh, those—that's not good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, then I, and then I went to Kansas City. Oh yeah, and so, did so, the same thing. So let's follow this. You went from Manhattan to Hayes, Hayes to Beloit, Beloit. To no, Kansas I didn't go to Beloit. I oh. went to Manhattan to Hayes, then Hayes to Manhattan, and then Manhattan to Kansas City, and then Kansas City to Manhattan. Hey, uh, Zach, you went to a uh, Vroom Vroom race? I went to the United States Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. You stayed in San Antonio? Yeah, maybe. Far as you know? Okay. Was it was the Vroom Vroom good? Was it good? Yeah, the race was great. Did you uh did you like have a spot you you stood at and they went vroom, vroom, 
So to start the race, we went up to uh, turn one, which you can see the main straight all the way down. So you can see the grid when they start. So we watched the start and then the first few laps. And then we kind of moved around from turn one to turn four. And then where it meets up with like turn 15, there's like a double right-hander at the track at Circuit of the Americas. And then we kind of watched the last, I don't know, main little part before they turn in. To so go to where in Austin is this? Downtown? No, it's like at the like the airport and then like just southeast oh, of okay. it. okay. Just downtown. I think it would add a whole new layer if the Grand Prix had to go up on 35 and got caught in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) You have to weave your way in and out. Yeah, exactly. Just get caught in, you know, traffic, and they're out there with their their vroom vrooms just ducking in and out. You're you're running low on fuel. You're going to need to pit. Guys, I am sandwiched in. I cannot move. I don't have turn signals. (laughs) Actually, there's no refueling in Formula One. To get okay. technical. Jackass. There isn't? No. You just have to fill up a tank and go? Yeah, that's the rules. <laughs> what if you run out of gas? You don't. But also, Kevin Magnuson got disqualified for running like 0.1 extra kilogram of fuel. Like you have to, you have <laughs> a minimum idiot. fuel you have to end up with. And he finished in the points, but he got disqualified when they measured his fuel at the end of the race. So. Is it, do they have an opportunity to stop for a bathroom and, a, and some snacks? I gotta I take a leak. <laughs> I don't think that that would be the most time-efficient way to go. Well, I'm out then. I'm not doing it, man. If I can't have a bathroom break, I'm not doing it. You can't last an hour and 40 minutes? No, not lately. No, (laughs) no. No, I can't. I'm not going to make it through this podcast. We're going to be taking breaks in between segments here. Tempest Field Gates, Zach Carlson, The Fridge, and our first segment is brought to you by Tanner's. If you would want to watch a Formula One race, don't go to Tanner's. They don't show that crap. If you want to watch football (laughs) and basketball and, you know, those man sports, the World Series, the World Series starts tonight. It's Tuesday, right? Right? There was no Singo at Tanner's. Tanner's. We only show the important sports. It's Tuesdays, apparently, because they tweeted out. Maybe it was Thursdays. They tweeted out there will be no Singo because of the World Series. I thought Singo was on Wednesday. (laughs) They moved it no, around. no, singles on Tuesday because when we were at the old office, we would do the podcast and then we'd go to Tanner's to eat and then we always got caught in Singo. If you don't know what Singo is, it's bingo with songs. But you're allowed to use Shazam, right? So you're it allowed to cheat. Defeats the purpose, right? It all comes down to what card you get. It's a it's a game of luck, right? Just like bingo. No, but bingo is different because because if you, you don't, know what the numbers well, yeah, are. Yeah, but yeah, but that takes that's education. What's a 46, man? If I don't you have can't, a clue what a 46 looks like. I'm just like. saying. I am just saying. <laughs> okay. Single wouldn't work if you couldn't Shazam. Tanners. Unless You'd you be play there football, hours. baseball or basketball, you won't be on our TV. And occasionally soccer, they will put soccer on. <sighs> and a pinch. And the and the World Cup if the US is in. They show golf. Like Masters. Yeah, they do. They show some golf, yeah. It's a sports bar. They'll put on sports, but not auto racing. <laughs> and or if we're going to do auto racing, MMA. it's NASCAR. <laughs> okay. Your questions from Wabash Station are brought to you by Zach's Memory. Zach's Memory, serving him mostly all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Zach Carlson. From Files, where was this physicality on the offensive line that we've seen over the previous two games in the first five games? 
I, I don't know. <laughs> it was there, just bottled up inside. Like, they didn't know they were superheroes, and then they realized, holy crap, we can block. Kind of like that moment where Peter Parker finds out that he has webs shooting out of his arms. I keep trying to do that, and nothing ever happens. But, yeah, they just were going through the motions. And you could see them going through the motions. I'm going to come over here and block now. I'm and they not going to hit you too hard. And they were getting called out for going through the motions. I know. It's like... Everybody goes, yeah, you're you're not doing your job right. And they were like, yeah, we're not doing a very good job. And then they continued to do a poor job of it. But they came out. The Baylor game, they, I mean, I want to know what the hell went on in the locker room halftime of the Texas game. It's been a completely different team since then. Have they not? It's been amazing. Uh, they, You know, I, I came out, they were mean. They've been mean ever since. I hope the mean didn't go away during the off week. I hope they didn't go watch uh, some auto racing and forget they're supposed to hit people. I mean, I, I just don't, was, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it was more impressive to do that against Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I think we mentioned it on a podcast last week, but just because of them being the number one rush defense, um, you know, their their defense being a lot more better, a lot more better. Good lord, I like that a, a lot. A lot better. Oh, good lord, I cannot speak. It's all right. It's just a podcast. They're much better. I'll put it that way than Baylor. So yeah. it's nice that they finally come around. Uh, you wish you would have done it earlier, but well, better late than never. Look, let's be honest. This is why. This is why those the early season games are so important to build confidence, and they didn't do that. But they came out against the Texas team in the second half. That, quite frankly, just thought they were going to cruise to victory, and they established a run game, and they felt good about themselves. And they went to Baylor and played a lousy Baylor run defense. And they beat the crap out of them. And they felt better about themselves. And they came home to play Oklahoma State, which at the time had the best run defense in the Big 12. And they beat the snot out of them. They feel like they can go to Oklahoma and run the ball. And and maybe they can. We'll see. They did it last year. They did it last year. And then uh, Alex Barnes got pulled out of the game because he was too good at it. I'm still. Fun fact, that was like a day or two ago on Time Hop. We were just shredding <laughs> the coaching staff. Everyone was. They should have been. That was bad. It was bad. From GT Cat, is the diamond formation something that might perform well against this OU defense? Do you anticipate seeing this more than twice on Saturday? I love the diamond formation. Gives you more options. I just can't wait for them to shift into the wishbone out of it. Right. It's like a wishbone, but it's sitting on the kitchen counter upside down. I mean, honestly, I think there's a lot that can work against this Oklahoma defense just because even though Mike Stoops is gone. It didn't it, solve anything. It they're just, still the same players. TCU's not good at offense. They No. They don't know how to <laughs> offense at all. They benched, uh, well, I guess, you know, a little bit of injury, whatever. But they, they were shaking up their their lineup. They couldn't do anything. So, um, this is – it's a bad Oklahoma defense, but also at the same time, I think there's a lot to be said about the interim effect. And I know Ruffin McNeil – is he is he an interim? Is he full time? I, I guess he's I, full time. I should have known that before I, don't know. I brought it up. But I guess what I'm saying is that I think there's plenty of packages that can work against this defense just because of how much they do struggle. And maybe the diamond is one of them. Um, I feel like, but I feel like it's a formation that they they like it, and so they're going to try to keep it even further under wrap. You know, maybe do it a few times, but they're not going to get heavy on it necessarily. Hmm. From Purple Cheese, how many carries should Barnes get Saturday? Can he put up big numbers on OU's D? 
No, at least 25. Well, it depends on if it's working. I mean, yeah. if it's working, he's going to go over 25. If it's not, I'll try something else and he'll go under 20. But ideally, if, if things are going well, he's going to get 25 to 30 carries. And I know that Bill Snyder and Alex Barnes both have said they don't really care about uh, durability, getting too many carries, et cetera. I do. I think Alex Barnes is very tough. I think he's a big guy. I think he can take those kind of carry or workloads. But I also think eh, maybe that not this year, but if he comes back next year, you might see a little bit of wear and tear on him. And running backs don't have a big shelf life. I mean, they college, NFL, nothing. They don't really stick around all that long in terms of being at their peak. So I'm I'm torn. I want to see him carry the ball 25, 27 times a game. But I also want to see him last longer than a six-game stretch. So, Yeah. From Files, chances that Alex Barnes returns for his senior season. Oh, I hate these questions. Can we no get offense. the Files music back in the podcast? I, I do miss the Files music. Now, there's the, da, 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 da. I'm telling you what. I, I'm going to confess something. Doing the podcast now is so easy. You just slap <laughs> in the segments and you cut out the occasional screw-up that we have. That's right, folks. We're not perfect. It just sounds beautiful. Um, but I do sometimes miss that. If I ever give this away to another employee, we might end up doing some of that. But it's just a lot more work. I, the night I, my will was broken is when I we had lots of places to drop in stuff. And I was working on the podcast for eight hours till past midnight. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man. No. It's good, but no. Maybe we just do it in the overtime. We'll see. But Alex Barnes, I thought that's all it was, though. Was it? Yeah, it, it was. It was everywhere? throughout. It the, got everywhere. Every yeah. time Files asked a question, yeah, the music was on there. Uh, but Alex Barnes coming back? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. You know. don't think he does? I don't think he comes back. I Not if he, he keeps this up. I well, first off, I don't think he's gonna run for three touchdowns and two hundred fifteen yards every game the rest of the way. If he does, he's not coming back. Look, even if Oklahoma has a bad defense, they're still going to stack the hell out of the box. Right, come on. That's, they know that K-State can't throw the ball right now. Make them beat you throwing the ball. So that's what Oklahoma's going to do. And then that's what other teams are going to do, too. And they, there's better defenses coming up. So I, I think he comes back, honestly. I think he's had a good season. But honestly, okay, let's say he does. Let's say he went for an average of like 100 and. 75 yards and a one touchdown per game. Let's just get that's his average over the next however many games left this season. Where are you taking him? What round are you drafting him in if you need a running back? You know, honestly, I don't know what his actually timed 40 speed. That too. Those type of things, I don't know. But to me, I mean, he's he just graduate, I think. So to me, I guess I just don't see him going any earlier than the fourth or fifth round right now. And maybe that's way off base. Maybe I haven't done enough research on where he stacks up against other NCAA running backs who needs running backs, things like that. But he doesn't scream second or third round pick to me right now. I just I don't see it. I guess. So I am I expect him to come back next year, but like you said, a lot of it does depend on the next five. It might depend on who's the head coach. Next question is from Purple Cheese. If we put the over-under on how many times Skylar Thompson throws the ball at 15, which side would you take? Mm. Over, because I think they're going to fall behind quick and start chucking the ball over the field. 
Ooh, that's a good argument. Yeah. Then I'll take under just because I'll, I'm going to think confidently that the running game is going to work. I seriously think they're going to try to make Skyler beat them. If we lose to a sophomore quarterback who hasn't had a very good season, then we lose to a sophomore quarterback who hasn't had a very good season. Yeah. Good game plan, Coach Riley. Oh, I see what you did there because mm-hmm. their, their coach's name is Riley. From Camilio, if Schoen isn't ready to go on Saturday, who steps into his place? I think he's going to be ready to go. Coach said he's going to be ready to go. He never lies about those things. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think, but I do think he'll be ready to go. But We wouldn't have gotten him today if he wasn't going to be ready to go. Put it that way. Yeah, good point. Um, well, I mean, we we kind of saw a little bit of a shakeup, but not necessarily. I think we just saw uh, Reuter become maybe a little bit more. Are you done shuffling papers over there? I, I'm not shuffling papers. Yes, you are. <laughs> not, not, I don't know what you're talking about. We saw Zach Reuter, um, I guess, become maybe a bigger part of of the uh, rotation. Look, what people want us to say is that Sebastian Taylor or Malik Knowles is going to be out there. That's what people want us to say. Well, and they they might be out there. I think Malik Knowles is a possibility. I don't know. Maybe. I, I'm curious to know if they're actually going to be playing him or if it's a four game thing and they're just going to play him here and there. If it's if it's not the four game thing, they better start throwing the ball to him a lot. Because why why burn a redshirt if you're not going to utilize him? There's no point to that. I don't know. I'm not doing it. Fair enough. From exhausted nihilist, do you do you think the now stoops less sooner defense stu- the, the now stoopsless sooner defense keeps leaking large quantities of points and yards? How can the cats best capitalize on this? Well, like we said, they're going to have to run the ball. I mean, you got to affect even even if they stack it, you got to figure out a way to to run the ball effectively. Because that's going to open it all up. To me, the real key for Kansas State here is what it is a lot of times. They've got to get special teams going. That's how TCU scored. They they got good field position. They scored directly off special teams. K-State needs to be working with advantageous field position in this game. But, yeah, I think I think you can score some points. But they weren't shy about their game plan, unless it was all a ruse. They're going to go full army. and I run, did find run, that run, really run, weird. Run, run, run. Yeah, when was the last time that Bill Snyder came in and said, well, this is what we're going to do. I watched Army, and he didn't sound like that at all. Watched Army, and it, uh, and um, they ran it all day and kept the ball. That's what we're going to do. You got that? Write that down. That's what we're going to do. They're going to chuck it three times on the first possession and piss everybody off. You know that's what they're going to do. I'll probably throw it to Malik Knowles. <laughs> He's going to score times. a touchdown and flip me off. Thompson and Knowles, 75 yards, 7 nothing, first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Take him out. Take him out. Yeah, be- better not let too many people see him. That's literally what happened last year. Take him out. From Cliff Clavin, 754, who on K-State's defensive line is quick enough to chase down Kyler Murray? <laughs> That's cute. Uh, okay, next question. Guys, Kyler Murray's really, really, really good. <laughs> That's the big concern. I... The only guy I think can really get up there and, and get to him and rattle him is Eli Walker. Just, But in the front, there's nobody that can run him down. I mean, they can't run down slow quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think Wyatt Hubert is your best defensive. Wyatt Hubert or Bronson Massey are your, probably your two best bets for defensive linemen. And they're not going. Wyatt's certainly not going to. Linebackers aren't fast. I don't know. Kyle Ball. 
no. I just don't I don't like it. I I don't I think he's gonna have more rushing yards than he's gonna have throwing yards. I would agree. I'd run the hell out of him if I was well, I mean, why would you not? Riley Gates, Coach Riley Gates. Yes. Okay. From GT Cat, could the defensive secondary finish the year as the best position group on the defense? I mean, they, they kind of are. They are right now. I don't see why they won't. If they stay healthy, I think they will. I think they will. Well, and talk about how much. Plus, it's going to help their stats if Kyler Murray runs for 300 yards. They're not going to be giving up passing yards. It'll be all about how they, he was too afraid to throw. Look, sometimes K-State. stats are really, really, really deceiving. I remember back in the crappy days of K-State football, they had the best pass defense in the Big 8 because nobody threw the damn ball. They just ran it and ran it and ran it. <laughs> Ran it. They're trying to run clock, so they didn't beat them by 70 points. So stats can be deceiving. And, yeah, if K-State's run defense doesn't get better, the pass defense is going to start to look pretty good. Let's just talk about how how different this pass defense is. Literally, Brian Norwood has changed everything. Their style of coverage is so much more aggressive and palatable to watch. It You just you can't. Before, you just kind of winced and turned away, and now you can really enjoy it. And I'm okay with a, a K-State cornerback getting beat on a deep route every now and then when you're playing coverage the way they are now. It was the frustrating thing when you played a 10-yard cushion and they got beat because that's the only reason you're giving them a 10-yard cushion. Now they're not necessarily all the time. And I like it. They're playing better. Duke Shelley is clearly – I mean, he's pro- he's probably having his best season so far. Yeah, either that or – I mean, his freshman season was really good. But uh, it, it's it's phenomenal, and I don't I just don't see any way that any other position could knock them off at this point. The linebackers definitely won't, and the defensive line, yeah, that won't either. So yeah, good job, Riley. Way to eliminate everything else. I was walking it through in my head. I liked it. I liked it a lot, man. From Purple Cheese, a case, candy bar. K State is a twenty-four point underdog. At Oklahoma, does that not tell us the state of the program right there? Are K-State fans okay with that? Does K-State cover? K-State covers. I think they cover that. <sighs> Do you? Really? No, I don't. 24 and a half? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this at all. To me, it seems like a game that you're going to be, uh, st- by the scoreboard, you're going to be quote-unquote in the game, you know, 14 points. 17 points, something like that. But everybody, it's going to be exactly like Oklahoma two years ago. They lost by 21. They were in it until the very end. But were they really in it? They weren't exactly in it. I don't know if that necessarily says so much about the state of the program. I mean, Oklahoma's a top 10 team. If you're basing the state of the program on the spread of one game. Uh, Look, my... My goals for this game are kind of low, honestly. As long as a suicide bomber doesn't try to get into the stadium and the punter shows up for every snap, I'm going to be able to honestly say it could be worse. It could, could be. be worse. Could be. Yeah. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to have so many people asking questions. So many people don't know that story. The greatest cover-up in college sports history. I was there. Crazy. Yep. Just okay, let's do it real quick cuz people are going to ask. Yeah. What, what was it 2004? 2005. 5. A Oklahoma student attempted to carry a backpack bomb into the stadium. Now they deny it now, 
But at the time, there was, there was security footage of him being turned away because he wouldn't let him search the backpack. And they reportedly, at the time, he, he went out into the quad area, sat down on a bench, adjusted his backpack, and it went off and blew him to bits and pieces all over the K-State band buses. We couldn't get back to our car because it was in a secure area. Now, it's been scrubbed. You can't find stories that were on the internet about this. Isn't it on a wiki page? Are you sure? I think it's on a wiki page. Did someone collected on a wiki page? Because I searched for an article I know I read about uh, his potential conversion to another religion. I read this, and it's nowhere to be found now. There's a wiki page right here. If you search Oklahoma bombing, Joel Henry Henricks the third. 2005, University of Oklahoma bombing occurred on October 1st, 2005, when a bomb went off near the George Lynn Cross Hall. The blast took place less than 200 yards west of Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, where 84,501 spectators were attending a football game. When that bomb went off, there was a reporter up there in the press box who had been covering Warzone, and he immediately went, that was a bomb. You know, he knew what it sounded like because everyone was like, what the hell was that? You could hear it pretty definitively. Oh, yeah. And I've since met a uh, a friend of mine dated uh, a woman who was a student intern in Oklahoma Sports Information Department at that game. So we were in the press box together, didn't know each other. And she said the students all went to the end of the press box that looked at where the bomber was. And his body was still seated on the bench with no head. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, he is Thanks, now Fitz. buried. He's now memorialized, not buried, memorialized along with other Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma students who died while students. I can't explain it. That doesn't exactly seem right. Because they, they've tried to classify it as a suicide. Well, yeah, he was trying to be a suicide bomber. It was a very strange game. He couldn't get out because they locked the gates. You were locked in the stadium at that point. There was no exiting the stadium. Mm-hmm. They probably didn't say why, obviously. No, no. They they just they wanted to make sure nobody came in at that point. Man. Man. It was a weird, weird night. And then the punter didn't show up for a snap. Yep. Thank God for the clear bag policy now. I think it's funny. I saw Tim Rayer. He posted, like, on Facebook, like, during, like, the 10-year anniversary of that game. And he's like... It's crazy. I didn't realize that this happened in the game. And I'm like, yeah, because that's because you were standing on the sideline watching a punt go out of the back of the end zone for safety. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, that whole incident was bizarre. I wish I wish someone would really dig into that whole that whole incident. I There's so much more there that David Bourne has done a magical job of covering up. Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma president and former senator and but uh, kudos to the University of Oklahoma Security. Before all all of these bag checks and all that were going on, they would not let this kid in the stadium unless they checked his bag. And so now when I go to a stadium and they want to check all the media bags, I thank them because I know that there's just it just takes one person not to have their bag checked, and it could be big trouble. And that's why I don't fight clear bag policies and all that. It, there's just bad people out there, and you got to go set the rules by that. Let's move on. Um, from Hurt as Joe, has this team found its identity and their roles in it? Uh, I mean, some, some not. 
Yeah. I don't, don't think throw the ball very well. I also don't think running the ball is like, oh, man, we finally found our identity. That's what it took. You know, that's what it was. No, it was always the identity. It's always what they've been. They just haven't been doing just it. didn't do you know? it well. Um, like you mentioned there, their uh, anger, so to speak. Yeah, they found that. But also that's something you shouldn't have to wait until game six to find. So, look, I, I was very impressed overall with that Oklahoma State game. Uh, I think it did bring a little. Defensively as much as offensively. Yes. Like, uh, collectively it was a great game. And I think it maybe ignited their fire a little bit, maybe gave them a little bit more hope. But also, you know, I was kind of saying this on the radio this morning, Oklahoma State, they're not a very good football team. And on top of that, they played about their worst game of the season. So take that with a grain of salt. And if they would have lost that game, the sky would be falling. You'd be 0-4 right now. So, you know, one loss or one win doesn't change this season. It doesn't change where I sit on a lot of the rest of the games. You know, I, I still to this point don't believe they'll make a bowl game. But uh, a win here would definitely change that. Yeah. Last question of the first half from Solly43. If we beat TCU, does anyone change their mind about K-State not making a bowl? Beat TCU? Yeah. Maybe. It gets more tangible, but you still got to beat. Look, if you win one of the next two, you're going to you're gonna have five for sure because you're going to beat Kansas. Yeah. But where are you getting the sixth? Yeah. I mean, then you got to beat either a Tech team. I They're feel, not beating Tech. I feel like we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to learn a lot more about Tech. But I would agree with you. At this point, they're not beating Tech. That means they're probably going to go to Iowa State with a need to win. And I hate that. And I hate that, too. Because Iowa State might be in a similar situation. I don't know. It could be the mediocre bowl. I, people have been asking me, and I, you know, I, I can't ever tell you who it's going to be. I think, but I think they're going to get five wins and come up just one win short of a bowl game, and we're going to say Baylor. That game could be tagged as Pharma getting number six. Pharma getting Pharma getting number. It sounded better in my head. It really Pharma got to get six. Yeah, something like that. It really worked in my head. But he didn't do a very good job of translating no. it. Now a lot of us lately have been doing things that seemed like a good idea, and it really turned out to be a crappy idea. Anyhow, that's the first half of the PowerCat podcast. We'll be back on the second half with more. What do we got, Riley? We got back. hoops. We got, we're moving into hoops. Totally hoops. Wednesday, the staff, meaning the other guys, uh, will be in Kansas City for basketball media days, Big 12 basketball media days, uh, waking up very early, getting on the road. Uh, that's why the podcast showed up a little bit early this week. Uh, I will be also out of town for something personal. And then uh, we'll be bringing the channel lots of hoops coverage, but we've got some stuff lined up on the site that's going to make you tingle like you're in the fridge wholesale liquor. The fridge, it'll make you tingle. They should use that. They really should. The Power Cat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. 
It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan. Online at FridgeLiquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. I'm fired up. I'm getting caffeinated. I'm getting this thing going. I've had a weird day. Had a weird day, guys. Just never got my batteries going. Just struggled. It was a struggle. Oh, God, you act like you're going through something with your body right but now. But I'm back. I've got caffeine in me right now. So I'm kind of peaking, so we got to get through this before I crash. The Powercat Podcast is brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into the fridge. Say hi to Kevin and everyone in there. The best selection of wine you're going to find anywhere in town. Incredible selection of beer, including craft beers. I don't know if they have meads. I don't know if they have an autumnal meads. That is the greatest Bud Light commercial ever. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's another Dilly Dilly commercial, but it's... I can't they don't say Dilly going, Dilly. The they way. don't say Dilly Dilly, but it's the guys at Dilly Dilly. The, yeah. Anyhow, uh, get into the fridge. They'll know all of the things you need to know about alcohol. You got questions, they got answers, and they got booze. It's a beautiful thing. Fridge also liquor right here in Manhattan. Uh, and, of course, the second half is brought to you by Wahoo Fire and Ice Grill. Um, our thoughts and condolences go out to our friend Mark, who is the head bartender there with the passing of his father. Uh, get into get into Wahoo. Uh, go say hi. They're like family to Becky and I. They're just incredible people, and it's wonderful food, and Mark's one hell of a bartender. Hang in there, buddy. And off we go with the second half of the Powercat Podcast. I'm promised hoops. I would like to talk hoops. It's going to be fun to talk hoops. We hope. So let's talk hoops, and here is MC Zach Carlson. From Solly 43, what are your thoughts on the basketball team's number 12 ranking? Wow. <laughs> well, look, you know, I did some talk radio earlier on Tuesday, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have a vote, so I don't sit, sit there and study all the teams and say, well, this team's outstanding. I don't do any of that. It feels right. It feels like K-State is clearly a, a legitimate Sweet 16 team. So what, what they're saying is K-State's a three or four seed in the tournament. Let's put it in that context. Maybe if they would, by being 12, they'd be a three seed. That feels about right, returning yeah. all that experience. Yeah. I think if I had a vote, I probably would have gone somewhere in the 14 to 16 or 17 range. I. I certainly think this is a Sweet 16 team, so I'm comfortable doing that. Yeah, I, I think, think that's I think that's the the barrier you need to look at for this team. Like, I'm not saying it's a disaster if they don't make Sweet 16. I'm just saying getting to the Sweet 16 kind of should be expected. I mean, not disaster might not be the right word, but also 
Disappointing. Major letdown. Yeah. So, um, I th- it was high, definitely, but you kind of earned that right by being one of the last eight teams, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, now the people that were putting them at seven or eight in their polls may have been a little bit well, overzealous. What, what's going on here is these are people that didn't pay attention to K-State all year long. Exactly. Didn't really see the struggles they went through and how mediocre they were at times, how inconsistent they were. They just saw the last snapshot at the end of the year, how well they played without their best player. And they thought, wow, this team's really good. Just imagine it, you know. Now, this team needs to attack the season. They need to go play like everyone's Kentucky or everyone's Creighton and get after them and get through that non-conference season with that schedule with a head of steam and roar right into the Big 12. They, I hope they're very aggressive and confident. From Wildcat Steve, 18, why isn't Barry the, the primary point guard? He is the biggest playmaking threat. Barry's better off the ball. Oh, they want him off the ball. Like, he's a catch-and-shoot kind of guy, not necessarily a drive-create. Well, I mean, he can drive and create. I mean, we literally watched him do it and win a game against Kentucky. But he's more of, a, like I said, he's more of an off-the-ball guy. That's kind of where he does better at. And and let me ask it this way. If Barry's on the ball, and let's assume Cam's in the starting lineup, um, but if Barry's the point guard, that means Cam's off the ball. And I don't like Cam off the ball at all. I don't think he's very good when he doesn't have the ball in his hands as a point guard. So you you form your team, you you build your starting five around what's what's the most effective way to put the team on the floor. The most effective way is having Barry Brown off the ball and and finding ways to create a shot that way rather than have all the focus be on him the entire time. I, I don't have any problem with it. Um, I think Barry can handle the point guard position, but I'd much rather see him off the ball the entire season, whether it's whether it's Kamau, whether it's Cartier, whether it's Sean Neal Williams. I don't know. Whoever's on the point, I'd still rather see Barry off the ball. Agreed. 100%. I like the idea of having a very good ball handler, someone that can get to the rim off the ball. You can't overplay his outside shot because he'll put it on the floor and get there. He got so much better at that last season. I'm anxious to see what Barry Brown has added to his game this season. I know this. He, he's not good at three-point contests. He needs oh. he needs a game in progress, I guess. That was rough. <laughs> From Files, which, if any, of the young bigs might take a big step forward, earning significant minutes this season? God, you got to see something out of James Love. He's got to get on the floor this year. Um, so you got to stay healthy there. Can you put Austin Trice in the young bigs category? Not really. Man, that's... He's going to be good. He's going to help out a lot. He's not going to be much of a scoring threat, but you don't need that. You need someone to go get the ball, rebound, get the ball to the scores. I'm still very skeptical on Nigel Shad. I still... I mean, obviously he got hurt, so we didn't get to see him much as a freshman. Still a little unsure if he's up to this level right um but they everybody's talking good about him you know they're all saying that he's, he looks the part yeah he really does so maybe a guy like him um i don't think levi stockard is aggressive enough to really t- take that step forward be that guy unless he's changed his game but it always just kind of seemed like he was he was there on the floor cool kind of long yep. for the ride i got wide shoulders here we go yeah so um it's kind of yet to be seen, and I don't mean to be for be a cop mean for that to be a cop out answer, but um, I, I think that to ex- to sit here and predict one of those guys, if we're taking Austin Trice out, because I think Austin Trice is going to have a really good year, 
I think that's kind of putting the cart before the horse with a lot of those guys. I'm hoping Levi Stockard can go all DJ Johnson and start playing with a great deal of effort, enthusiasm, work ethic in the offseason, really improve because he's got the physical tools and he seems to have the game. He just does some silly things, gets himself into foul trouble, and and uh, needs to develop his skill set. But I, I think there's something there. From Files once again, what's with McCall Maween's new muscles? Will this make him a better rebounder? They're fantastic. Look, <laughs> look, it's impressive how much muscle mass this young man put on. Just, I don't know what it's going to mean on the court, but it should mean he's able to defend better, keep his space and rebounding better. But I don't think Max's issues in rebounding had anything to do with physical prowess. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand rebounding. And rebounding a basketball is a lot about being in the right place. Not by chance, but by a geometric understanding of how the ball bounces. Obviously, Trice has this because everyone says it's freakish how he rebounds. Mac doesn't do that, let alone get good position. He's just not a rebounder. I hope he's improved. I know this. He looks a lot better in the airport than he did a year ago. He <laughs> looks a lot better walking on the court. And I hope it translates to being a lot better posting up and doing some of the things that will make him better. And I, I do hope he's a better rebounder. But I don't think being stronger will make him a better rebounder. It was about fundamentals. Well, we And we've seen that countless times. You know, I, I don't necessarily – have a list in front of me of guys I can reference, but players come through all the time and you go, wow, look at them. That's a big guy right there. He's huge. Doesn't necessarily mean they're very good rebounders. Um, so yeah, it's, you wouldn't, you would anticipate it means more, but I'm, I'm more in the camp of it would probably help his play on the block as an offensive guy. Cause it kind of seemed like McCall was not necessarily a feed it to him and see if he can. I mean, he got there at the end of the year. I remember in that game against uh, uh, Kansas, he was doing a whole lot of uh, post moves on the block, but like, where was that? Yeah. But throughout the season, it was like, Oh, Hey, well, McCall's going to take a jumper from the elbow. So Zach is a guy, you with very large biceps and broad shoulders. Do you think that makes you a better rebounder? No, I'm short. Okay. If you're short, what am I? <laughs> you're challenged. Vertically. Yes. From Wildcat Steve 18, what is the starting lineup for this year's basketball team at the beginning of the season, and who do you think should start? That's funny because I have two different answers. What is the starting lineup? Kamal, Barry, Xavier, McCall, and uh, Dean Wade. Dean. Wow. This is a guy named Dean Wade. How did I forget about Dean? <laughs> I blanked. What do I think it should be? Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Xavier Sneed for sure. I think Austin Trice should start. I think he so should go with three bigs. I would go. Now here's where I'm. No, no, not 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 three bigs. Well, you count Xavier as a big. Is that what you're saying? Oh, you're leaving out Mac. I'm leaving out Mac. I don't know who I'm starting at point, Cartier or Kamal. Because Kamal, let's let's be straight. Kamal was bad after his injury. He kind of came around in the postseason, but he really wasn't ever quite there again. That being said, if you go look at his box or his uh, game log from before he got hurt, that dude was on pace to be first team All Big Twelve. He was. 
he would have had a better year than Barry Brown on that pace. So I don't know. And also I think that Cartier came onto the scene really well, but a lot of people were unsure about him. They didn't know how to defend him. And I think people will have a better idea about Cartier now. Honestly, I think I'm okay with either one of them. I would probably go with Kamau and allow Cartier to be out there um, as the sixth man, sixth, seventh man there, and, and also bring McCall at the bench. I just think Austin Trice rebounds the ball, and I haven't even seen it all that much in person, but I think he's too good of a rebounder, probably plays really good defense too to keep him on the bench. And I think if you bring McCall Moeen off the bench, that's a hell of a sixth or seventh man you're bringing off. So I, I'd like to see that, but I know it's not. I know McCall's going to start. So I've already kind of come to terms with that. From I Like Pickles Cat, what do you expect from the middle of the conference in basketball? Well, the question is, what is the middle of the conference? You know, I think, I think that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are obviously kind of towards the bottom. Um, but Oklahoma State, showed at times that they could compete with teams. Baylor is not supposed to be very good, but then they've they brought always, in a recruiting class. They always sneak up in there. Like I, I truly I didn't you know I didn't have a poll in the, the Big Twelve men's basketball poll, but I don't know how I would have voted. Honestly, I, I don't know. Uh you know, I, I'm sitting here going through all the teams and Iowa State was not good last year, but then they found their rhythm They've got young guys, Lindell Wigginton. So I don't even know. It's tough for to answer that question when you don't know what the middle of the conference is. going. It's going to be another dog-eat-dog conference again. Kansas is going to win it. Sorry. I don't think K-State's going to win the Big 12. And K- KU's probably going to win it with four or five losses. Maybe six. I don't know about that. I don't think they're going to have that many losses. I think the conference – I think KU's by far the best team. I think K-State's next. And then West Virginia, TCU, it gets a little more vague and gray in there. And and honestly, this K-State team could lose to TCU and West Virginia a right. lot. They might be in that gray area. Yep. So I guess I just need to know where the line is. You know, I'm not necessarily sold on those preseason polls as we saw last year. K-State picked eighth, finished fourth. Who's to say that Oklahoma State or Baylor doesn't pull that off again this year? So... It's a little bit too early to really predict what the middle of the conference is, but in general, the answer to the question, I think, would be beat each other up, have six, seven for-sure teams in the NCAA tournament, push for an eight and nine. And Bruce Weber wants ten always. He always thinks ten should be in. That's only fair. <laughs> From Garcat12761, last question of the second half. Is he like Jenny Jenny? Huh? Never mind. That was a dated reference. Come on, old man. Go ahead. Uh, Bruce Weber was still on the hot seat fan er, fan wise going into the Big 12 tournament. Poor early schedule, the Tulsa loss, and other bad losses. Does making the NCAA tournament, winning three games to make the Elite Eight, give the fan base more patience than in the past? Is Bruce Weber the coach for the next five years? It's a double edged sword. Yeah, it kind of bought him some good favor with the fans. But what if it turns out to be a fluke? A fluke. I'm not saying it is by any means, but what if K-State does finish fourth or fifth in the conference this year? What if K-State does exit the first round of the tournament again? Don't 
we're probably right back to where we were before the Big 12 tournament last year in terms of fan perception because your best players are all leaving and you're going to go into a rebuilding mode. So I don't, I, I'm not going to say five years. I'm not going to say. Well, frankly, do if, we know that Bruce is coaching for five more years? Like, yeah, that's true. I think he might just play this contract out and then retire. Might be. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm telling you, I, I think everyone tends to get over-optimistic after one good run. We'll see. I think they're going to have another good season. So maybe – I guess that's what I'm saying. They need to back it up. They need to go back it up, do at least a Sweet 16, have another strong season, perform well in the Big 12, give the fans a fun season to enjoy. If you're fun, if you play that brand of basketball you played in the postseason from Kansas City into the NCAA tournament, people are going to enjoy it. They were fun to watch. They played hard. They got up and down the court. They defended like – Dobermans, do that, and you're going to win the fans. It's really not just about wins and losses. It's about putting it all out there. That's what K-Staters are about. That's why they've been mad at football, and now they're like, okay, well, at least they're trying. At least they're leaving some blood and sweat and tears on the field. That's all K-Staters want. They want you to fight like Wildcats. Here's the thing is that you – if you buy, if you make the have a good season this year, you know you finish in the top three of the Big Twelve. You make a run in the NCAA tournament, say Sweet Sixteen or something like that. You've then bought yourself a rebuilding, complete rebuild next right. year. You can, you could have a really good year this year and then go. I don't know, seven and nine. Or, does that math add up? No, that math. Yeah, it does. Yeah, seven, eighteen. No. You need eighteen. Seven and eleven. I am very stupid. You you That's could right. <laughs> you could go seven eleven eight and ten whatever, and people are going to go well. You know, lost Dean Barry Cam, mm-hmm. had to rebuild. Of course, you were going to be bad. But if you don't have a good, if you fail to meet expectations, you take that first round exit this year, and then you want to have your rebuilding year the year after you completely missed the mark with your best team ever. It's going to be kind of tough to really keep those fans that you want back. So right. that's why this year is so key. It is. It's it's very key for his ongoing legacy at Kansas State. That's it. Wow, we flew through that. Yeah, there wasn't that many. It was kind of like fast break. I loaded the first half with football because I figured why put three or four football questions in the second half with the basketball when I could just load the first half and then do complete basketball. Because if someone doesn't want to listen to basketball, they don't have to. But why would you not want to? You know what I'm going to call you for this moment? The Wizard of Pod. That was brilliant. Thank you. It's an honor. We'll be back in the uh, after the break with the overtime. I don't know what we have, but I'm sure there'll be questions from my like Pickles Cat. It's just, he's very good at this. He's, I mean, if he was actually Pickles, he'd be the Clawson Pickles of asking questions. Absolutely delicious. That's I like pickles again. We'll be back. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. 
It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan. Online at FridgeLiquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Welcome to the overtime segment of the Power Cat Podcast. At the first half, the second half, and now we're in the overtime. And when I'm in Aggieville and I need a little overtime, not like after hours or anything, but like uh, 1 o'clock and then I go into overtime, that's time for the high-low. Ah, got it. I was... You were off in your own world there. there. Uh, pizza, burgers, great drinks, great atmosphere, great people. The high low, right there in the middle of the 1100 block of Morrow. It's so bad. Like, every time I go there, like, I look at the menu, and it's like, you know, burgers, sandwiches, whatever. I'm like, oh, I bet those are pretty good. Maybe I should try that. But then I'm like, ah, come on, man. It's, like, it's pizza. Say it takes pizza, man. Like, you can't not get that. Or the pepperoni bricks. I did not have those. I just need to try them. Uh, I know we've got listeners of all varieties out there, um, and many of you are religious people. But for those of you who are not particularly religious, go to the Hilo, order the pizza bricks, and you will see the Lord. Are you saying that the pepperoni bricks would kill them? The pepperoni bricks. They're, no, they're that good. Did you say pizza bricks again? Good Lord, I thought we were past that phase. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The pepperoni bricks will bring you religion. (laughs) Heard it here first. They're that good. Speaking of that good, Fridge, Wholesale Liquor, sponsor of the Powercat Podcast, get into the fridge. They supply all the liquor for the high-low. So that magic you're having at night at the Hilo is supplied by the fridge. Well, the alcohol is. And speaking of someone who just tailgated a football game this weekend, because I know a lot of you guys did not, because there was not a football game to tailgate, but I did tailgate a football game. How is tailgating? It's weird for a sports writer to tailgate. (laughs) Basically, I made up for three years of not tailgating. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good move. In one tailgate. Do you remember the end of the game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, technically, I don't remember the end of the game because we left with, like, Honestly, we left with like 10 minutes in the fourth quarter because the Chiefs are up like 31. There's, we had to drive back. It's like, why, why sit here and watch them run the clock out? Do you remember this Snapchat? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's something. That's a good angle. <laughs> Do you remember it, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? That's the, something. You know what's amazing about that Snapchat is? Uh, you don't remember sending it, but you had your phone. Because you said I was Snapchat. <laughs> okay, on to the overtime segment. And here's your MC, Zach. Where the hell is my phone, Carlson? 
from Canelio. Who's the best Oklahoma quarterback you've seen us go against in the Snyder era? Baker Mayfield. Got to be Baker, right? Yeah. You could maybe argue Jason White. No, not Jason White. <laughs> Josh Heupel, maybe. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Hands Has down. to be Baker. He's, just, he's got that thing, man. The great ones have that thing where they win. Jason games. White was good. Don't act like he was bad. He might be the worst Heisman yeah. Trophy winner of all time. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, this guy might. Johnny Manziel. In, in a one-game situation, this guy might be better. Kyler Murray might exceed that just because he's playing so well and he's so uh, – he reminds me, not, not physically, they're much different. He's the closest to Michael Bishop I've seen, a guy that can run like – a running back, and yet can throw the ball 60 yards in the air because he's a center fielder. It's Baker, without a doubt. Yeah. If you honestly, like, today, if you were like, you got to win one game, who are you going with? Might pick Baker Mayfield. Dude is a winner. From Canelio once again. The game will probably go into overtime. Yeah, of course. We understand that now from his time with the Browns. Besides Patrick Mahomes, if you're Clark Hunt, who do you throw the big money at to keep when their contracts are up? Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill. I think it's Tyreek Hill. You can find running backs. Like Kareem, you found Kareem Hunt out of Toledo. Yeah, he's really good. Don't get me wrong. But running backs are a lot more run-of-the-mill. A guy like Tyreek Hill is a rare thing. A r- really rare. You know, there's always running backs that can be star and have breakout years. I mean, I think it says all you need to know that Kareem Hunt's the fourth option offensively. You know, Patrick and Kelsey and Hill. I mean, it's just incredible the weapons they have right now. But I would encourage you to save some money for a defense, too, because you're going to need one of those. They got to make a trade. They got to get Patrick Peterson. Well, they got to get healthy, but yeah, they got to they got to do something. I mean, healthy's not going to help your corners. No. And is it really going to help you that much? Is Eric Berry really going to make that much of a change? Uh, he can tackle people with his walker. He's going to be seven games behind the curve. He's going to be 70 years old. He looks like he's 90. Yeah. yeah. From I Like Pickles Cat, do you think K-State and the fan pace unintentionally alienated the players from the Prince era? I don't know if so much alienated. We just don't necessarily – I think when people think of players – Great K-State players. They immediately, you know, they think Jordy's, Darren Sproles, guys like that. Guys that play for Coach Snyder. But guys. Jordy really made his name under Ron Prince. That's true. Okay, fair That's enough. That's what's amazing. That's yeah. how that defeats that argument. I don't know why I said that then. Yeah, but Jordy started under Coach yeah. Snyder but really became the superstar under Ron Prince. Now, I, I will say that when you list off the great quarterbacks, Josh Freeman doesn't always pop up at the top of your Dude, list. Josh Freeman should be in that list. Like He should be. But he he didn't play the type of football that you would define a great K-State quarterback by. The fact that because that team different. went to the Texas Bowl says all you need to know about Josh Freeman. He's a damn good quarterback. He just he didn't have it. He didn't have that Baker Mayfield thing, the yeah. Colin Klein thing, the Michael Bishop thing. I mean, there could have just been so many talented players in the Prince era, but just because it was the Prince era – you don't want to think about it, you know? No. You want to shove those memories away. And it's not necessarily fair all the time. Because there's, there's some players that are better in the Prince era than some players that are better than – or that played for him in Snyder 2.0 that get some recognition. I think that's definitely fair to say. Well, Colin Klein was recruited by Ron Prince. Don't leave that out. Yeah. 
That's uncomfortable. <laughs> From T. Newman 41, do you think K-State and other Big 12 schools have benefited or suffered financially by the fraud committed by Bill Self and KU? Is it millions? They, I mean, they. I, it's impossible to prove. It's too intangible to come up with that. But also, I think it's not. I don't think it's out of the question to say that K State has benefited some from Kansas being that good. The Big Twelve has attention. Games against KU are a big deal. There's without a doubt a sellout, no matter how bad. Even Wooly teams were selling out Bramlage when KU came to town. Wooly won in Lawrence. Hey, you know, I, look. <laughs> least, least we not forget. Do we have any more questions about the basketball? One stuff? after this. Okay, give me. I we kind of mix them together. Can't prove that. I don't. I. I haven't answered you on the message board because I just don't know. I don't really have a feel for that. I think Kansas State has benefited in some ways by KU being great, but I do agree that that the cheaters have done damage to the schools playing by the rules. The people that say this is a victimless crime are idiots. The victims are the people that obeyed the rules. I mean, the players are getting paid and the coaches are winning games for the programs that are cheating. But the programs that aren't cheating are not getting the great players because of it. And But I will also preface it and say, if KU wasn't paying play, if nobody played paid players, let's not make it out to be that K-State was landing Josh Jackson or anybody like that. You know, I don't think the recruitment opens up as much as some believe it does if he doesn't get paid. So, you know, I still think that it, it, let's not act like KU only won 14 straight Big 12 championships because they paid some guys along the way. They were still landing talented recruits. They weren't paying everybody on the team. Like, they, they weren't doing that. So, kind of somewhere in between on that, I guess. Next question is, from T Newman forty one, uh, how do you feel about the comment everyone else does it when it comes to paying players? It's crap. Here, well, here's my thing about about this whole situation. <clears throat> As I don't blame these programs for cheating because NCAA hasn't done a damn thing about it. And I've I've written this in columns. There's the rules of the book and the rules of the street. And K-State has, for a long time, certainly under Bruce Weber, and I admire him for it, he's squeaky clean, has played by the rules in the book. And John Curry played by the rules in the book, including his own appendix that nobody else played by that made it even more difficult. He just added some rules in there just to F with his own coaches. Anyhow, I digress. But the other programs have been playing by the rules of the street, and why the hell not? If you're out there getting ahead by, by selling drugs and, and robbing people, and the police aren't doing anything about it, you're going to sell more drugs and rob people. Nobody's been policing this situation. And that's what happens when you don't have rules or enforce the rules you do have. Here's my solution. Ready? Everyone sit down. Oh, you guys are. Um, <clears throat> they need – look, I know all of you want – you want KU to suffer and give back wins and be put on probation for a million years. I know a lot of people want that. But it's it's not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. K, the NCAA is not going to punish Kansas or North Carolina or Duke at the levels that should be for these crimes because of who they are. So this is what I believe needs to happen. They need to give these programs a grace period to confess their sins. And then at that point, they will 
penalize the coaches in terms of recruiting visits on campus, recruiting opportunities off campus, or in the most severe situations, say, Bill Self, you cannot attend AAU basketball for X number of years. None. Zero. I don't care if you adopt a child and you go uh, like you did with Tyler and go to AAU tournaments in off periods and watch everyone else play instead of his own son. I don't care about that. You can't attend even if it's your own kid. Period. They're off limits. Those kind of penalties that attack the coach and hurt the program. You don't punish the new kids that are in the program. They have nothing to do with the cheating. You don't go back and turn on back the clock and take back stuff. You just, who cares? If a team won the game, you're going to remember the team won the game. Forfeits are stupid. They really are. Vacated stuff, stupid. They'll still count it as a championship. Everyone else won't. And, you know, that's like the, the mythical basketball titles. They'll still count them, even though nobody else does. So just come up with some punishment that punishes the coaches. And then say... And I steal this from Kevin Keatsman. From this point on, if you cheat, you're done coaching in the NCAA. Period. Forever. Whether you're an assistant coach, a head coach, if your program is cheating, you're done. Out of a job. Now, I think the D-League offering the the $125,000 one-year contracts to kids that want to come right out of high school and not play college at all is great, and that's a first step. I would love it if they played by the baseball rules, but that's a whole different thing, where if you go to college, you've got to be there for three years. I would love that, but that's probably too much to ask. Zero tolerance from that point on after the initial punishments for what happened in the past, and let kids go make a living. If a, if a kid like... Michael Beasley, who actually said he wishes he'd come back for a second year, but if that kind of kid does not really care to be in school, let's not play this stupid game where they're going to take 12 puddly hours that anyone can pass in the first semester and then in the second semester show up to classes just long enough where you aren't dropped from your classes and flunk out before, but as soon as basketball's over, you quit school. You've done one semester of school and learned how to weave a basket and maybe bowl and I don't know what else. But you've got nothing of academic substance. Let's stop playing this game and just let them go be pros. And the D-League absolutely needs to do that. Just here, you guys. Now, maybe what I'd like to see is the D-League offer them that and then also have a fund where they can go back and get tuition. Aren't they doing something like that? I don't that? know. I think I, I, I just made that up. Maybe I stole it. I thought I said thought saw something that like they were going to pay for him to go back. Maybe I'm wrong. That'd be great. But anyhow, Michael Beasley openly admitted that he didn't get a credit. Like he said on an e- interview with ESPN, he's like, you know, I was thinking about going back and getting my my college degree, but man, I'd have to start at ground zero. I didn't earn one credit. No, he had to. He wouldn't have been eligible in the second semester. I think. Well, I, well, what I think he meant was earn earn earn, a, earn. earn a credit towards a major. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. I think that's what he meant. Exactly. He was taken. Or is it earned on merit versus yeah. given? Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, honestly, it could be music appreciation where you got to be in the yeah. seat. Or bananas nailed to a piece of plywood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and round. <laughs> Next question is from KSU Cat 80. What is the difference between the two basketball player rankings, the 24-7 sports ranking and the 24-7 sports composite rating? Well, the 24-7 sports ranking is 
is our national guys ranking them on their own decision? Twenty four seven staff. That's Evan Daniels, Josh Gershon, Brian Snow. Group, incredible group of analysts that go out and watch players, and they give their rankings. And the composite is the composite is taking is taking all the other recruiting services, including competition rivals. I believe ESPN's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I want to say used to be. yeah, yeah. Scout used to be, and they use an algorithm. They take what everybody else ranks them at, and they put them on that total. So there's a scale, and whatever number the algorithm spits out, that's what your composite ranking is, and, and kind of scale it down. Personally, I think the composite ranking is the best thing that's been out there ever. Mm-hmm. It's perfect because there's been times where I disagreed with 24-7. There's been times where I disagreed with rivals when we worked for rivals. You know, I I think that there's some kids that get fourth stars that shouldn't, and I think there's kids that don't have a fourth star that should. And sometimes the other service does it, and you know, sometimes ESPN's way over the top, by the way. So I like the composite because I think it gives the best middle of the road. I think these guy, I think all the guys in the business are very neutral. But there are, are times where maybe they just don't like a kid, and so they don't think he's that good. So the composite takes everything together, spits out a good number, probably the most accurate number out there. And football, it's proving the composite's proven to be pretty damn accurate mm-hmm. in the long term. Over the And for the most part, they're always the same, mostly. Mm-hmm. The only time I've really ever seen the difference is a three-star 24-7 kid is a four-star composite. And that's just because like rivals would rank him as a four-star, mm-hmm. and it pulls him up. Yeah. From Purple Cheese, is it surprising to see how TCU's season has tanked so bad? With the Turpin situation and the fact that Patterson has been there for so long, is it feasible to see TCU and Patterson parting ways sometime soon? Gary Patterson did not cover up Cavante Turpin. <laughs> That's oh, wow. He's clean of that, okay? But he had no idea. That didn't happen. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. Uh, Here's here's what's interesting about it. Remember a few years ago when he had the co-offense coordinators and they were all they were so incredible. Those two guys, and then one left to go to KU. Now has been fired. The other one's still at TCU, and they want him fired. So it's not exactly they're not they haven't figured out offense well enough in T, at TCU to play in the Big Twelve. Their defense is fine. Their special teams is okay. Their offense has been atrocious. They've also had one offensive player, like you know uh, Trayvon Boykin is. Really, and Josh Doxson are really the only two Big 12 caliber players, I think, that they've brought through. Let's look. Trayvon Boykin wasn't great schematics. He was a freak. Yeah. He's a great player. He's had a quarterback that could do a lot of stuff. The second half against K-State when they rallied and beat the snot out of K-State was a perfect example of it. Trayvon Boykin said, hey, I'm better than everyone else on the field. Look at me. That wasn't great coaching. Yeah, it's, but that is that's good coaching because you recruited them. So, I mean, yeah, uh, they suck at offense. That's why <laughs> they suck at offense. I mean, Gary Patterson is <laughs> is the equivalent of Mike Leach on the other side of the ball. Yes, I'm going to put all <laughs> my best players on defense and be really good. And offense, you can you score enough. I mean, I, look, Gary Patterson's not going anywhere. No, he's not. He will retire a Horn Frog. From Brian Gates with what? Oklahoma State wearing Sanders throwback jerseys this week. What is something you'd like to see added or changed about K State's uniforms? White, white, All white, white, snow white. Do you want to go throwback anything with K State? No. I mean, it's funny. Some there was a Twitter poll. I can't remember who started it. One of the regular K State posters. 
well, I'm, I'm blanking on it, uh, which helmet would you like to see brought back? And people were voting for Stan Parrish helmets. I'm like, no, that is not happening. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 have a throwback jersey so that we can remember 9/11. <laughs> I mean, that was the Stan Parrish era. <laughs> it was a disaster of epic what? proportions. <laughs> It was just, no, you're not going to do anything to remember Stan Parrish. Oh, my God. They were all purple uniforms, purple helmets, and they sucked at the game of football. So, no, that's not happening. I still love, I can't remember what year it is, 67, 68 helmets? Maybe, no, it was 66. It was pre-Vince Gibson, the ones that have the big Kate K on, sitting on top of the state. I've always liked those helmets. That would be my throwback helmet. But that's the Doug Weaver era, which is as bad as Stan Parrish for older fans. My favorite K-State logo of all time, and it will be no matter. If they change the logo tomorrow to something better, I still would stick by this. The the Willie with the flag who wearing the K-sweatshirt and the state flag. Oh, that's my favorite K-State logo. Oh, Lord. That's we made, what I like. We made so much fun of that when I was in school before the Power Cat. Really? Oh, we hated that thing. That's my favorite one. It's Tom and Jerry. It's fun. It's good. It's nostalgic. I don't know. I just don't see him throwing back. I mean, the the clip art wildcat on the side of the helmet that Jim Dickey had, and before that, and then um, Vince Gibson had it, too. I mean, that's what Lynn Dickey wore, and maybe they do that. Maybe they pull that out, but it's clip art, man. It's not like they had commission. How about the Kansas State College? But it's like they still haven't. The font they use now is not great. You see it everywhere. It's not specific to the university. I kind of want to see K-State go down the Oklahoma State route, what they did a couple years ago, where Nike literally invented a font, invented patterns, branding standards. Just In case you guys aren't aware, Zach's really big into fonts. I'm a font I like fonts. I like apparel, uniforms. But like you don't see colors very well. I don't see colors in no, paint sex very well. Awful at seeing colors. We've discovered this in painting the office. Uh, yeah, you know. But I'm with you. I think an all white uniform, purple stripe down the side of the leg, uh, per- white helmet with a purple stripe down the middle that matches. Oof. I'm in. And slap the power cat and purple on the side of it. I'm in on that. Sexy. I, the, going all purple reminds me too much of Ron Prince. Well, purple's just not a There's color. One you game. Purp- you sorry. just sh- you shouldn't do it. It's not a good color to go solid. And and let's be honest here. I always thought purple and black was good, but TCU owns that now. They that's their TCU's the purple and black school. Kansas State's the purple and white, purple and silver school. Could Kansas State go purple and black and then spit in something stupid like green? I mean TCU spit in red. Oh, absolutely turquoise. Teal. Teal. Yeah. Tom Asbury teal. Ta- Tom Asbury Tom Asbury teal. teal. It's yep. decided. Uh, I guess you could go. An all-silver uniform to match the pants. I don't like that. I'm not a big fan. I saw, what team was it? It wasn't Utah. Was it Utah State? Do it all-silver, but it was like a really faint silver. Is it silver or is it gray? We're talking like Baylor gray? No, that's hideous. That was awful. And I don't like K-State's basketball gray. No, the big game grays suck. I think they're way too dark. So, no, it was silver. It was... I'll put it this way. In my opinion, you should only do jerseys that are your school colors, and then also I will allow you to do black if it's not a school color. But any other color, no. So K-State is purple and white. You can do a purple, you can do a white, you can do a black. 
You can't do a gray. Yeah, they got silver. I there. disagree. They got silver pants now, silver helmets. Silver, gray, whatever. Yeah. Uh, how about Washington State that pulls out the carbon color on it? I kind of liked it. It was. It's weird. They do it like once a year. Kind of liked it, but it's kind of a color, kind of not. It's aren't they just? I'm torn because I'm torn because it goes against what I literally just said. But I kind of like that jersey. They do it well. Yeah, they do. In principle, I'm against it. (laughs) I want to be pissed at it, but I just can't. It's kind of like the guy who has uh, kick-ass sideburns. In principle, you're against it, but the guy pulls it off. That guy? Or maybe like the Fu Manchu? Talking about Elvis? I don't know. Just like some guy walks in a bar, oh. and he's got, you know, like the Fu Manchu mustache. And you go, that's not something you want to do, but that dude gets away with it. Fair. Matthew McConaughey could get away with it. Yeah. I'm just saying. Hey. He was at the race on Sunday. Was he really? Yeah. Did you touch Did him? He put the weight back on yet? Touch did you him. touch him? I did not I touch have touched him. him. Has he put his weight back on yet? Wait. Oh. Apparently, he like starved himself for a role because he was playing someone with a disease. What, that, like, Dallas Buyers Club? Is that, that what it was? He was like five years old, Riley. Yeah. Oh, oh really? yeah. Yeah, that's right. He did it way back then. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, someone so told me it was him a new with movie. AIDS in that movie. Was, was it not? I don't know. What I'm someone told me that was a new movie. I apologize. No, maybe you're right. I don't know. I hope he still looks good. All right. Never mind. I guess I was wrong. Was maybe, I wrong? Maybe, maybe his Lincoln MKZ is going to get even better gas mileage now. <laughs> yeah. Go faster. Last question of the podcast from Miley Fickle's cat. What is the best opening line for Tinder? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy You'd here. You'd be so good at Tinder. I, I just You're want, witty. I just want to establish the over 50 version of Tinder, Brittle. The, the, the old people could just interact with each other and just tell old people stories. Brittle. When I was a freshman. Can we get you and Becky to each download Tinder, set up profiles, and then you just sit here and we just talk as you do it? Don't, why? Is that weird? Yes, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's weird. I think it's I funny love. seeing people who have no business being on Tinder be on Tinder and see how it works. Just looking for a friend. Just do we're just here. When I was a freshman, kid on my floor, who I ended up living with the next year, gave the greatest pickup line, or at least in my opinion, a very good pickup line. He said uh, that you just shoot a message and say, I guess it looks like we both have good taste. Get it? I like it. Yeah, yeah it's smooth. And he goes, and then a lot of times they don't know what I'm talking about. And I was like, well, that's not a very good pickup line. He goes, but you liked it. And I was like, you're right. If you were trying to recruit me on Tinder. He was picking up on you. Apparently. And then he wanted to live with you? Just saying. Also, you could say, the the one I've heard a lot is, uh, I usually shoot for eights, but I'll settle for a ten. I like that. That's what happened to me with Becky. She doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm kissing her ass. Oh, okay. Why settle for second when first is available? <laughs> All I know is if I had Tinder, you do just swipe lefts. <laughs> if Matthew McConaughey was on Tinder, swipe right. Well, I'm apparently on a whole different app. I think you're on Grinder. <laughs> wow. I don't know what that means, but it sounds fantastic. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.